and welcome to yet another episode of Cowgirls and Indians. I am the cowgirl, Christina Cook. I am the Indian, Keith Nobles. And uh, we are your guides. I keep trying to come up with a good intro to this. Yeah. I haven't done it yet, but we, we are, are your... Those weird spirit guides. It's we, all good. We, <laughs> no, we're not spirit guides unless... No, we're not spirit guides. Um, but we are, we are trying to explore, I guess, different aspects of progressivism and, and try to make clear the agenda that underlies all of the leftist progressive agenda in the United States as much as we can. Yes. So um, with that in mind, today's episode, <laughs> one word, the one word title of it was nationalism. But the question we're going to answer today is, does America first, quote unquote, is that an actually a good thing for America? So, so that's the question that we're going to explore. And I have a feeling we're on two different sides of this issue. <laughs> for maybe the, for the time being, maybe, maybe. So, with that being said, let's let's start as we always do with a definition. And the, I'd like to find um, for the purposes of this episode, I'd like to start with nationalism. Okay. Do you do you have a good definition, good working definition for how you define uh, nationalism? Is an ideology and emphasizes loyalty, devotion, or allegiance to a nation or nation state, and holds that such obligations outweigh other individual or group interests. Okay, that would be close. Now, are there different? I I, I looked at the Wikipedia article, <laughs> so <laughs> that's where I do a lot of my research. Unfortunately, are, are there different flavors of nationalism? Because there seem to be. Uh, oh, of course, and, and there's. I would think. Yeah, yeah, I think probably every country has a slightly different flavor. Okay. And even within countries, there are different certainly flavors. different flavors. Right. So what, what I found in, in doing the research on this, um, American nationalism is the, is the Wikipedia article that I started from. Okay. And it's right. not where I ended. But okay. they, they identified four different kinds of nationalism. So one is civic um, nationalism. One is ethnic. Then you also have cultural and economic. And so I, I think the civic and the economic are probably, I hope, most relevant to this to this uh, conversation. However, I did want to note the the ethnic and the cultural um, nationalism, because from the leftist point of view, that's what anybody on the right who believes in American exceptionalism is being accused of. Well, and, and let's be clear what this current iteration of nationalism is. Mm hmm. And we can list names if you want of people, I would say, or adherence to that is not American exceptionalism. Okay. It's a belief that America should be predominant in the world. How is that different? Because our exceptionalism is based on what it boils down to a one sense that all men are created equal. Okay. Right? That is not a priority to them, in my opinion. And I have mountains of evidence to support that opinion. Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, but typically all around the world, every time you've seen nationalism in this sense, it's been premised on victimhood. I mean, they, they, they tend to go hand in hand. Okay. Unpack that one for me. Um, what do you mean it's premised on victimhood? Yeah, it's premised on victimhood, right? It, it's not premised on truth, virtue, equality, any of those things, right? I mean, typically nationalism over the last 120 years, at least, mm -hmm. anywhere it's taken hold around the world, it's, yeah, you're, you're a victim and we'll fix that has been the basic model. Okay. Speaking specifically about American exceptionalism uh, and about American nationalism, let me, right. let me get that straight. Speaking specifically about that, do you believe that American nationalism is based on victimhood? Yes. 
okay, unpack that for me. How are we victims and who's saying that they're a victim? To- no, every time uh, people say, well, China stole our jobs, right? We're, we're not a victim of China. We're a victim of taxation. We're a victim of regulation. We are a victim of a litigious litigious society. We're definitely victims of all those things. But if if we were, and this is exactly where I thought this conversation would go, I did not know it would do it before we got into five minutes. (laughs) Well, there's there's lots here. Yeah, yeah, this is true. I think when when we talk about China in relation to America, and this is this is where a lot of people's brains are going to go when they hear nationalism, or they hear MAGA, or they hear you know um, you know America first. America first. Yeah, or, let's or, really impact that statement. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, and we can, but you know, I think if, if we start from let's let's say historically, we we're starting from this idea of civic nationalism, which is a belief in those ideals that came down to us from our founders. Really. I mean, it's, it's a belief that all men are created equal. It's a belief, you know, that, that in, in that American exceptionalism that stems from our ideals that, that created this country. And, you know, I, I know that we've said it before. I know I say it at least once a week, if not more often, America is the only nation ever founded upon an idea, that idea that all men, men are created equal, which right. we do hit very often on the show. So, you know, you, you start with that civic nationalism. And we believe that we believe in free markets. We believe in all these things. And then we're thrust into a global economy with China as the primary antagonist. We'll, we'll just put it in story terms. The, the primary antagonist here who is not competing on that free uh, you know, on that, that, that free market ideal, the, on that level playing field, you know, they, they utilize slave labor, they use the government to subsidize all this stuff. They tax their people to freaking death um, in order to do whatever their central planning says needs to be done. And they do not compete on, on an equal footing with American businesses. Should we not be allowed to equalize the footing when so, it comes to the American yeah, okay, consumer? So I, I don't think most of what you just said is actually true. China has okay. a China has a freer economy in the United States. This is why China's economy grew 12-fold over 30 years, while during that 30 years, the United States I'm... passed more than 100,000 new regulations on our business. China is taxed less than the United States. Okay. China is regulated less than the United States, business regulations. Right. Okay. And China is certainly a much less litigious society than the United States is when it comes to business. Okay. I mean, I mean, this is why China grew and the United States lost businesses to China. I mean, I've I've uh, bought and sold things with and from China. Okay. In a business sense, over decades. Okay. Okay. The the major and people who aren't who maybe don't do business directly with China or have not done business strike with China, fail to appreciate what their real advantage is. And it's time to market. It's time to market? Time to market. Okay. Right? That is the advantage China has. The advantage much of Southeast Asia has over the United States. Now, why should that be so? Why do they have an advantage in time to market? Because they're less regulated. They're less taxed. They do not penalize people for taking risk. They do not penalize people if risk fail. We do all that in the United States. And increasingly so over the last 30 years. Okay. Right? Now, I noticed you didn't address the slave labor problem. Well, because the, the things that most people are having built or buying from China are not produced by slave labor. Slave labor is used by China to punish people. It's not really an economic advantage per se. Right? Slaves don't do very good work because they don't want to be there doing that. Right? It's It's a political punishment in a communist regime. But it's not 
an economic advantage. Okay, in, and in this rare, sense. rare earth um, resources that they that they hold that they have children doing the mining. You know, in, what about in Africa? That? Yeah. Well, and they do that in in China as well. Uyghurs are doing the, that China, that oh, mining yeah. for for electric vehicles and all that crap. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But let me give you an example. Okay. Probably about 10 years ago, we were vetting the idea of building a particular product. And we, we being the US well, or we being we the being company? Me. Okay. Me and some other people okay. I was in business with. Okay. And we were building products and we somebody had an idea, pitched us an idea for a product. We went and vetted the idea. Part of that vetting was we had to have a device built right. for this product. And the sum total for this product was not big. Okay. Um, the market, it was maybe 400 customers. Oh, okay. Right? Okay. okay. So not a huge market. Okay. Okay. And uh, we ended up not building the product, not because of what I'm about to say, but because uh, we assumed, and it turns out correctly as we're doing our vetting, we discovered the technology we would have used probably is going to be replaced in two or three years by better technology. And in that sense, we would be competing against Fortune 50 companies, not right. trying to provide data nobody was yet providing. Okay. Right? Okay. So we didn't build this product, but I went to American companies about building this device. And they basically want us to pay for 400 devices up front. And it would take maybe a year to 18 mm -hmm. months right. for them to start building devices. Okay. China. Talked to China about it, companies in China. Yeah. They were like 12 weeks out and they wanted no guarantees. Hmm. If I only sold eight of them, they were okay. I'd pay for eight. Okay. Right? And, and that's what I mean. Time to market. Okay. They would do in 12 weeks what these other people do in a year, year and a half. Sure. Right? And, and when you're talking about a new product, time to market matters. And, and people who aren't in business really fail to realize how much regulations, taxes, and litigation punish American companies for taking a risk. Right. Chinese companies are more than willing to take a risk with you. They'll take 100 risk and 90 of those risks may fail, but the 10 that succeed, they will get rich on. Fair enough. Right? And that is not the attitude in the United States because you will get punished for those 90 failed risks in the United States. Right? Right. I mean, we, we need to understand, right? China did not steal our jobs. We did this. There's that, nobody. That, there's nobody on the planet who would not prefer doing business in the United States over China. Right. Nobody. But we have because just because of it, what we've done to it the, was so expensive and right, so long. Right. To do anything because yeah, you have regulatory hurdles. You have if you're going to hire people like to build this device. Okay. If a company was going to hire people and set up a production line to build this device. Uh, my device, I sold eight of them. That's all they built. They'd lay off all those people. Well, they'd be on the hook right. for unemployment right. for people who made them no money. Right? right. They And not only that, everybody, I've worked for a lot of startups. I've started my own companies. If your company fails, you will get sued. Right? I mean, that's just the reality of it. That's how I make my living, unfortunately. That's part of it, right? So, I mean, we talk about China store jobs. We did this. Like I said, there's nobody on the face of the planet, even in China, that wouldn't rather do business in the United States. Right. Right. I mean, China uh, just recently had the main flight of the C919. It's an airliner. Okay. And to compete with the early the Boeing 737, because Boeing sold a lot of jet airliners to China. Right. Right. And China. So the C919 will probably work well in China. Right, because the Chinese government will, will give people uh, 
incentives and disincentives. Well, <laughs> so, that kind of goes back to my we'll point. We'll them yeah. to buy it, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it will eat into probably what Boeing and Airbus sell because China is a big market for airlines. Sure. But, but yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know they'll sell many, if any, C919s outside of China. Sure. Right. I mean, it's just people would so much prefer doing business with an American company than a Chinese company. We have just hobbled American business. Okay. Uh, And that's just what it is. And that I am not going to disagree with you on. I mean, the the taxation, the regulations, um, even even down to the, the education system has, you know, and the ability to to staff factories with people who can actually work well, you know, with others and in the factory and so forth. You know, I mean, that's, that's something that is so much not a part of American culture at this point that, that I'm not going to disagree with you on that. Getting back to or, or relating everything that you just said, then back to America first or, or nationalism, you know, just in general, American nationalism in general. Are you saying if we wiped out all of the rest of the everything that we've done horrible to to the economy, the regulations, the taxation, all that kind of stuff, let's just say theoretically, we we were able to wave a magic wand, get rid of all that stuff. Would nationalism in that instance be warranted? No. Why? Because all you need is a free market. You don't need nationalism. All you need is what is in the Constitution, right? I mean, the Constitution doesn't enable the federal government to be regulating these things in the first place. And I guess, I, I mean, maybe this is where we're diverging on, on our definition of nationalism, I guess. So to me, nationalism is a belief. It's a belief in the superiority of one's own country. It, it's synonymous with American exceptionalism, in my mind. Okay. And let me, so uh, let me be, try to be really clear here. Okay. Because this <laughs> All is, because right. you got is, crayons, that because, might help. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I should have brought crayons. Um, because, this is where this whole thing goes awry, in okay. my opinion. Okay. Okay. All right. So you could say, here's the danger in using the term nationalism. Okay. As it's being used. And as I use it. Okay. Okay. Most people think, well, it just means you love America. That's kind of what people think. And there's nothing wrong with loving America. That's a good thing to okay. love America, right? Okay. However, that is not how it is being implemented by these people who self-identify as these nationalists. Okay. Okay. I'm I'm sensing a broad brush generalization coming on. No, I have tons of specific examples. Well, I know that you may have tons of specific examples, but there's plenty of people probably even in our audience who self-identify as nationalists are not going to fit with that specific picture that you're about to draw. No, I would say probably 90% do not fit. Okay. But that's why they really need to seriously reconsider that term. Okay. So maybe, maybe, maybe a different way to say this is the people who co-opt the term nationalism for their own political ends, they are X, whatever it is that you're about to say. But the people who believe themselves to, you know, to be patriotic, to be nationalist, to believe in the exceptionalism of America does not necessarily make you automatically evil, which is kind of what I was afraid that this conversation was involved in. It doesn't because here's what it does. As I said, right, this is where this whole thing goes awry. Okay. Use this term nationalism. Right. And people make that definition, whatever it is. Okay. And rather than just making that definition, whatever it is, we need to look at what these people who self-identify as nationalists, who actually have power, Okay. Actually advocate for. Let's start naming names and, and giving examples. Let's, let's put some flesh on this skeleton. Okay. Marjorie Taylor Greene. Okay. Paul Gosar. Uh, Donald Trump. Uh, J.D. Vance. Okay. Let's, um, let's give examples. Let's, let's not just name names. <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> please, please give me Mar- Marjorie Taylor Greene. Let's uh, start with her. 
Okay, well, well, okay. So before I do that, let's unpack this term "America First." Okay, because this is important. Okay, context. Okay. okay, all right. So "America First" was Woodrow Wilson's campaign motto. Okay. Okay, and then the the motto of his administration. Okay. Okay. So guilt by association. Let me finish. 1920s uh, <laughs> became the tagline for the Ku Klux Klan. Okay. 1930s, America First was a registered organization of pro-Nazis advocating that the United States not interfere okay. with Nazi Germany in World War II. And at present, America First is the name of both a PAC and a conference run by Nick Fuentes. Okay. Who These is are, the head of the Proud Boys, right? No. No, no, no. He is just a anti-Semitic racist. Okay. I mean, that's that's what he is. And I'm going to be careful here because a lot of people are going to say, well, you call this person a racist or that person. I'm not calling anybody a racist or anti-Semite other than Nick Fuentes. Right. <laughs> right. I was going to say, you just did. Nick Fuentes <laughs> is a racist and an anti-Semite. Okay. Okay. So you have this term, America first. Some with a lot ago. of baggage that nobody remembers. With, uh, I wouldn't well, say. Well, you do, but. Uh, uh, no, I, uh, no, I would say outside this Republican bubble, a lot of people are aware of that baggage. Okay. But be that as it may, right? The ADL, Anti-Defamation League, years ago now, asked Trump not to use this term because of this. Okay. And Trump continued to use that term. Okay. Okay. So here's your connection. You have people like Paul Gosar. And Marjorie Taylor Greene. I'm not placing Paul Gosar. Arizona, con- Arizona congressman. Excuse my, my ignorance. Okay. Yeah, Republican Arizona congressman. Okay. Who spoke at Nick Fuentes America First Conference. Okay. Right? I mean, unconscionable. Uh, just simply unconscionable. Right? This is not a good guy. Okay. Th- this is really. So, I mean, there, there's this is the tie-in. This is the problem. Right. right? And I'm not saying, I have no idea if Marjorie Taylor Greene is an anti-Semite and a white supremacist. I mean, I generally have no idea. I've never talked to lady, right? <laughs> okay. okay. I'd say chances are that she's not. Well, so here, but here's the problem, right? If she is or is not, it's an equally bad problem. Okay. Okay. So like in the case of speaking at the America First conference, she was condemned by McConnell and McCarthy both. I thought Gosar spoke at the conference. Both of them spoke at the conference. Gosar spoke multiple times at those conferences. Okay. So, um, yeah, they were condemned. Okay. I mean, she was... By by whom? By whom? McConnell, McCarthy, pretty much everybody in the GOP, but not by Trump. Okay. Okay. Trump did not condemn them. Here's what Marjorie Taylor Greene said. Oh, I had no idea. It was a white supremacist conference. Even though that was the absolute introduction given to her speaking... And it's like McConnell said, she should have left right then. Okay, what did they say oh, well, in her introduction? Well, among other things, right, they, they led a chant to praise Vladimir Putin for invading Ukraine. And she got up and spoke. That was her introduction. Oh, good Lord. Right? I mean, so understand. So Marjorie Taylor Greene says, well, I didn't know it was a white supremacist organization. Well, I don't know what to say to that. I'm incredulous personally, but let's take her word. Saying I'm not a white supremacist, I'm not an anti-Semite, I'm just an idiot is not a compelling argument. Okay, right? and I am in I am in no way defending what was said or how she was right. introduced or anything like that. But but help me understand how the the Russia Ukraine war coming down on one side or the other makes you a white supremacist or not? Because last time I checked, both Russians and Ukrainians are white. No, no, it's a matter of anti-Semitism, right? The anti-Semites uh, around the world have latched on to the Ukraine. Russia war because Zelensky has claimed Jewish heritage. Okay. That's yeah. Zelensky right now. Zelensky right now is probably the focal point of anti-Semites around the world. Really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Just I have not heard about this at all. 
I, I don't know. But yeah, no, I, I mean, it, 99% of the stuff you see shared on social media about Zelensky, yeah, there's no factual evidence to support it. It just originates among anti-Semitic groups and it gets shared around because people think it's anti-Biden. I, I don't know. But th- I mean, this is part of the problem here that, that we have with this whole notion. And, and the people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Paul Gosar have wittingly or unwittingly right. lent credibility to these ideas and these people. Right. Of course, Donald Trump famously had dinner with Nick Fuentes. Right. And he said roundly condemned for it. And again, right. I mean, I'm not calling anybody an anti-Semite or a racist. That's not what I'm doing. Except, right? except I, Nick Fuentes. Except <laughs> Nick Fuentes. I will absolutely <laughs> condemn Nick Fuentes for those Fair things. Enough. But but the, the excuses are just so lame. Right. right? It's like Mar- Marjorie Taylor Greene. Well, I didn't know it was a white supremacist group. Well, okay, you should have known, right? And, and Donald Trump saying, well, I didn't know Kanye West was going to bring Nick Fuentes. And of course, in retrospect, that's just a vapid excuse because Kanye West is a guy who just a few days later will come out and say Hitler did good things, right? And, and so this is the problem. It's like, why are you consorting with these people, right? right? That's really the problem. There are 8 billion people on the planet. It can't be that hard to find people who aren't racist and anti-Semites to hang out with, right? Well, and it can't be that hard for those who want to sow dissent and, and throw shade um, to to even make connections that just aren't warranted. Well, so, but, but, but we talked about a couple episodes ago, racism. Right. Right. And we talked about... The last two episodes, actually. Well, the last two, but the one, two, two episodes ago specifically, we talked about uh, progressives use racism for power because they believe in a power-based society. Right. And it's a predatory system. Okay. Right. This is why those accusations of racism stick to people like you and I. Not that we're racist. We are not. But because of this stuff. Because people that... That should know better. People who people who wear the same jersey that we ostensibly wear are doing crap like this. Doing crap like this, right? Okay. And, and then you have the whole problem with Orban in Hungary. Okay. Okay. Orban is the elected leader of Hungary. Yes. Okay. He has said charming things <laughs> like racists should not mix. Okay. He ran basically an election campaign that said, vote for me. So Jewish, fin- Jewish financiers do not take over the world. National Review described one of his speeches as, uh, quote, reads like a checklist drawn from the protocols of the elders of Zion. Okay. Okay. George W. Bush refused to have him in the White House. Okay. Obama refused to have him in the White House. Trump had him in the White House and praised him and said what great things he was doing. And Trump said, well, he's controversial like me. And yes, that's an audible eye roll, right? <laughs> and so th- this is, you know, and again, I'm not saying, and J.D. Vance says, you know, we should emulate this guy, right? And I'm not saying J.D. Vance or Marjorie Taylor Greene or Paul Gosar, I'm um, pretty much on the edge calling books, Paul Gosar a racist, um, or <laughs> okay. Donald Trump are racist or anti-Semites. They're converting with these people. And this is a problem. And in the context, here's just the problem you have. In context of the history of that America first phrase. Right. Right. Converting with these people, praising these people, saying you want to emulate these people, going to dinner with these people, speaking at these people's conferences. Right. Even if these people are not racist or anti-Semitic, kills us as Republicans. It truly kills us because when... Progressives call Republicans racist. They point to this. This is a problem. I mean, and I'll be frank. I mean, to my mind, cavorting with these people is just gutter politics. 
Well, I would agree that it's just gutter politics. If, you know, I mean, honestly, 98% of everything that you just told me is the first time I've heard about it. I, and I believe that. Okay. I, and I'm not, I'm not, and that's not a reflection. You know, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying something bad I mean, about you. Right? I really, I really don't try to to totally bury my head in the sand. I don't spend 24 seven on the news cycle because mental health, you know, I mean, but I'm, I'm reasonably plugged in yeah. for the most part. And this is the first time I've heard most of this stuff. And I, I knew you. about, I knew about Kanye West and, and Nick Fuentes going to, going to Mar-a-Lago. Right. I, I knew about that. Right. I knew that Kanye West was in the middle of having a complete and total mental breakdown at that point in time. And, we and, knew and that. I'm not going to excuse Kanye West, but people, you know, say Kanye West, man, this is not a condemnation of mental health problems. Kanye West has struggled with severe mental health issues for a long time. Right. right? And, and I, I was saying breakdown sort of colloquially, but it is, it is sort of truthful from what we know at this point yeah so so there's all that i don't know jack about nick fuentes i really don't i i know absolutely nothing i know i know even less about paul gosar because i didn't even know his name when you when you brought I, it I understand up that. marjorie taylor green i know was was elected on a mega platform i get that and jd vance as well uh and basically anybody who was endorsed by trump is is who you're gonna limp in with that and, and i and i get that no i'm not gonna say anybody who was endorsed by trump and, and, and you know what let me can i can i just interject real quick yeah Okay. Of course. Here's my thoughts on Donald Trump in regard to this. Okay. Okay. I don't think Donald Trump is a racist or an anti-Semite. That's good to hear. I'm because I, to say, I, I, see no, I see no evidence of that in his life. Right. Right. Uh, Donald Trump. I mean, his daughter and his son-in-law are Jewish. Yes. My impression of Donald Trump is really simple. People who will feed his ego and help him with his ambitions and power he is friends with. People who oppose that, he's not friends with. I mean, if, I don't think it's any more complicated than that with Donald Trump. Right. Right. So if somebody's an anti-Semite and you help him, he doesn't care. If somebody's anti-anti-Semite and they help him, he doesn't care. Right. Okay. <laughs> he just doesn't care. He only cares. Are you feeding my ego and helping me or are you opposing me? Right. There's no there's no other principle at play here with Donald Trump. Or if we if we put it slightly more charitably, if you're helping advance the the principles that I ran on and am trying to advance in, in the United States government, then you're my friend. And if you're not, then you're not my friend. Slightly more charitable. So <laughs> that's a lot more charitable, but we'll take it. I know. I know. And <laughs> I, well, and I just let me back up about 80,000 steps for a second. I I. It's easy for us to sit here on this podcast and state things in ways that are, quite honestly, the least charitable way to do so. The 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 least, I, I don't want to say the least insightful, but uh, because I think that we're very insightful. But I think that it's it's easy for people to hear some of the things that we say and not realize that there is there is actually maybe another way to look at some of these things, which is kind of part of the purpose of the podcast is to take another way to look at some of these things. Like I said, I, I don't know jack shit about Nick Fuentes. I saw at the time that that whole thing went down at Mar-a-Lago, you know, the, the some extent of, of the research that I did, which was not a lot because who Nick Fuentes is really doesn't impact my life all that much. Right. Um, but I, I looked at some things and they, for all the world, looked to me like quotes taken out of context. I don't know. Yeah, okay. No, no. I, I mean, and, and you, you claim that, you know, he is this thing and that's fine. Yeah, uh, Nick Fuentes is absolutely a racist anti-Semitic. Right. And I, and, and if you say so, obviously I trust you, you know, that, that, that he is, but 
what am I trying to say? Go ahead. <laughs> okay. So let, let me sum up all this we've said so far. Okay. From my point of view, which right. nobody is required to agree with. Okay. But I'll <laughs> but I will defend it to the end. Fair enough. Okay. It doesn't take a lot of moral courage to, to condemn anti-Semitism. No. Right? Absolutely not. And these people can't muster that level of courage. Donald <laughs> Trump's son and daughter, son-in-law no, and no. daughter are Jewish. Okay. I mean, I don't think that that. You, and you, I you, said, I don't think Trump is an anti-Semite. Right. I, I already said that. Well, I mean, but, isn't that in itself a condemnation of anti-Semitism? No. No? No, no. Because he needs to condemn, in my opinion, these people. He needs to come out and say words that he people, needs other to come people out. will agree with. Is that no, no. He needs to come out and say, this is not acceptable. Okay. Right? Come out and say words that other people I understand say. understand he likes Marjorie Taylor Greene and Paul Gosar because they support him. They're in the camp. Okay. So he's not going to condemn them. Okay. But this is like just a few episodes. We did the one on tribalism. Right? This is it. Okay. So if you're, if this was Joe Biden mm-hmm. and this was AOC doing these things, right? Uh, this was Bernie Sanders instead of J.D. Vance. Okay. Okay. Republicans would be screaming to the rafters. About this. Okay. And they're not about this. And and this is the point, right? That it's, we need to escape the tribalism. We need to have the same standards across the board. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's, that's really And do we need to, I mean, consistently air our dirty laundry out in public? You think that that's what's going to give us credibility at this point in time? I'm going to talk about airing. Well, I mean, you you are, you you are actually though. No. Because you're saying that this needs to be condemned, which means it needs to be condemned in public. You don't know what Donald Trump has said in private. Maybe he's, maybe he's like, shit, that guy's never stepping foot in Mar-a-Lago again. What an asshole that he would show. No, no, you were president of the United States and you want to be president of the United States once again. You're going to say it in public. You need to say it in public. Yeah, you need to condemn Marjorie Taylor Greene and Paul Gosar for for speaking in America first. These things were done in public. These things were not done in private. No, I understand what McCarthy and McConnell did, in my opinion, was absolutely Appropriate, right. And they said they should have never been there. Right. White supremacists and anti-Semites have nothing to do with the Republican Party. Absolutely. That and is I know not, plenty of Republicans who say such things. Those are not hard things to say. Okay. Right. But it's specific Republicans that are not saying those things that you are having a problem I with. I have a problem with any Republican who can bring them say those things when they speak at Nick Fuentes' conference. I, Marjorie Taylor Greene and Paul Gosar aside, because I have my doubts about Marjorie Taylor Greene's level of intelligence, first of all. <laughs> well, thank you. We share that opinion. Uh, there you go. <laughs> and unfortunately, I, I have the same opinion about a couple of folks who are actually from our home state. Yes. So, you know, I mean, they're, they're, they're. Well, your home state, not mine, but yeah. Well, I lived there a long time. Our our previous residents. The place we lived before we came here. (laughs) How's that? So, you know, those, those two aside, I know. Every single Republican that I know yeah. would would and has condemned such things. Okay, I mean, not 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 necessarily this incident specifically, but anti semitism absolutely has no place in the I, Republican uh, so Party. I, Racism, white supremacy, absolutely I, has so no place. I, I don't argue with anything you just said. Okay, right? I, I don't argue with that. Okay, okay, but because we have one idiot who's out there doing stupid shit, then then all of our credibility is shot. No. And so we ought to be hunting down and outing every single person who's done stupid shit. That's what I'm hearing from you. No, no, no. Okay. Then help me help me understand how Republicans overcome this problem Uh, because we're not doing it. Okay. So we'll start out with, right? You told me you had never heard these things. (laughs) <laughs> That's first of all, right? So I have to go looking for no, no, instances no, of white no, supremacy. No, no, no. We, we, we discuss these things, right? I okay. mean, that's all we're doing here is discussing this. Well, which is fine. Which right? is fine. I mean, this is not okay, right? I mean, it really is Nobody ever said that it was. Well, okay. 
Nobody normal. <laughs> Nobody normal. Nobody who's part of the party who's actually trying but to the, do the shit. But the most problem we have is people vote for these people. I mean, they win re-election. You mean leftists go out looking for people to hold up as examples of what Republicans stand for, like yeah, Marjorie it, Taylor Greene and Paul Gosar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Steve King from Iowa, right? Same, same thing, right? He lost all his committee assignments because of his comments about white nationalism, Okay, right? I mean, this is, you know, this is not stray incidents. There's definitely a strain of this running through the GOP. Okay. And it may be tiny, yeah. but it's a strain, it's right? And, and, but let's be honest, because this is the other part of this. I was on bring up, okay? That you weren't going to bring up? That I was. Oh, okay. Okay. People said the GOP not effectively dealing with this and they want to leave. Okay. All right. And people then emulate this. How many times social media see people defending or praising, say, Marjorie Taylor Greene, right? Um, not because she went and spoke at America they, First. They probably have no idea. They're defending her, have no idea. Okay. Right? That's, let's be, be frank, right? Most of the stuff never makes the quote unquote Republican media. Right. Right. It's all over endlessly forever. All the other media. That's why, you know, all the other people aren't Republicans generally know all about this stuff. Right. Right. Which is the one reason why I probably don't know about it, because I cannot watch MSNBC to save my freaking life. No, I understand that. Right. And I will not give the I, New York I, Times I, any of my money. <laughs> and I get that. Right. But Republicans just, especially in the media, they, they kind of bury this stuff. Yeah. Right. And we shouldn't bury it. Right. I mean, we really shouldn't because people need to know. I'm, I'm going to let, me, let me play devil's advocate on that. So maybe what the Republican media is saying, and, and I will grant you the more obvious reason is this is embarrassing. We don't want to talk about it. Yeah. But maybe there's what they're more inclined to say is this is we, d we don't want to give more clicks to somebody like Nick Fuentes. We don't we don't you know, any publicity is any news is good news. You know, any publicity is good publicity. Right. And so so the idea is, is, you know what, we're just not even going to talk about this idiot, you know, and, and no, we're going to talk I, about Republican policies instead. Maybe maybe that's it. No, that, that could very well be it. Right? Being charitable. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm nothing. You, if not charitable. You are, you are very charitable. Right. <laughs> There's where we want to talk about. So I know people who are Jewish, who are Republicans, have been Republicans all their life, who fully embrace this idea of all men created equal in the last two years. Two of them have told me maybe I'm in the wrong party. Really? Yeah. Not just because of this, because things told to them to their face at Republican events. Really? Yeah. That, you know, basically you're Jewish, we'll tolerate you, but you're never really going to be in the club. Right? So this this strain, right, that we're talking about. Yeah. But maybe it's Steve King, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Paul Gosar, right? I mean, maybe there are a lot of these people in national office. I mean, I, I won't dispute that. But it's, it's all the other people in these county caucuses and Republican fundraising events and Lincoln Day dinners and this stuff that tell this to people, right? Heading up the Colorado GOP. And, yes. Yeah. And, and so here's the example, right? Mm -hmm. And this is going to be an unpopular example for a lot of people. <laughs> That's okay. 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 It wasn't very long ago. The American Muslim vote was a lock for the Republican Party. Really? Yeah. In 2000, 78% of American Muslims voted Republican. Really? Yeah, not that long ago. And, and it had been basically 80% for a long time. Okay. Right? Now, and I understand that, uh, well, I don't even go there. <laughs> but no, no, I mean, yeah, the, the Republican Party basically had an 80% lock on the Muslim vote for. I would say the 2001 decades. probably had something to do with that. And Republicans chased people out, these Muslims out of the GOP. I mean, they really did. And they joined, they, they became Democrats because Democrats were welcoming. Right. Right. I, I mean, so I don't want to be clear. 
every Muslim I've ever known was a really solid, nice person. Sure. Right? Sure. Right. Mean, maybe one I knew was iffy. And and interestingly, the one I knew who was iffy yeah. was an American who converted to Islam. And he was very accepting of 9-11. Oh, and okay. he was really like he didn't get punched. But yeah. he didn't. Okay. Because people were, <laughs> you know, essentially decent. But other than that, everybody I know. And most, let's just be frank, most Muslims in the West are afraid to speak out. And the reason they're afraid to speak out is because they have family members back in these places they originated at. Sure. Who, if they speak out, their family members be arrested, tortured, murdered, raped. That's how it works. Right. Right. There'd be a follow up put on their heads. And, yeah, no, 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 yeah. Yeah, they, yeah. So they don't speak out because of fear of what will happen to the relatives. If they were to come out and publicly condemn 9-11, uh, the relatives would be would suffer for that. Right. Right. I mean, it's a horrible system and a horrible thing. But these people who came to the United States, these Muslims came here to escape that. Right. They were like that the United States is kind of sane. That's why they're here, right? It was at one point in time, yeah. But yeah, I mean, so all right, so just so people understand, okay, just from a practical politics point of view, the nationally speaking, right, what the Republicans have lost in the, the Muslim vote, mm-hmm. is too many votes every national election. Okay. That's a lot. Yeah. I mean, you are a county GOP chairman, right? I mean I was. Yeah, you had a two two million vote swing. Right. Because the number of Muslims voting Republican went from 78 percent to eight. Right. Right. So so here's where we have competing values. Okay. Because Republicans and and this this actually has absolutely what I'm about to say does not reflect well on those who were running the Republican Party in 2001 and beyond. Okay. Okay? I I don't know how you can say anything that. Reflect on them any worse than what I think. Okay, okay. well, fair enough. Um, (laughs) But but I I understand. I I have. uh, Let let me just say I have empathy. Okay, maybe not sympathy, but I've got empathy for the position that they were in at that point in time. Nine eleven, we were hit on our own soil with with a terrorist attack. No, I I understand. I was here. No idea. Right, (laughs) but 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 I'm just I'm trying to make explicit my thinking here. Yeah. With with no idea that. These folks were here to do that to us and no way to differentiate really between the folks who were here to do that to that to us and those who were not here to do that to us. OK, security is I believe national security is is one of the Republicans basic planks. If you're going to look at the two parties and decide which one is going to keep us keep our nation more secure, it's going to be the Republicans. I mean, it's just. Just just from an image standpoint, whether or not that's actually true or not, we'll get into in a different episode. But I I think that, you know, at that point in time, obviously, and I mean, in in the 23 years since or 22 years since, how many times have I heard people say or have I myself said, thank God Gore wasn't president at that time? I think everybody agrees. Yeah. I I mean, that that is as near to unanimous as anything you'll ever find in American history. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Thank God Gore wasn't our president. Not that the Bushes were all that awesome. And, and, you know, we have plenty of criticisms to level at them. But W did a good job. At two at, at 9-11 and, and, and in the weeks thereafter, the, the policy decisions that were made after that, yeah. somewhat less. Anyway, all that being said, Republicans in that time of uncertainty, really, I don't I don't I can I can definitely see how it would be almost impossible to continue to court the Muslim vote and stand for national security after 9-11. Do you do you understand what I'm trying to say? Here? I, I understand what you're saying, but the real problem here is, all right, my opinion. 
<laughs> and this is purely okay. my opinion. Fair enough. Okay. That the emotional response to 9-11 overcame any ideas of all men are created equal. Well, I think that that's a given. Yeah. Emotional responses are always going to overcome stuff like that. Yeah. Always. The Democrats did not have the same emotional response. Because they don't believe in American exceptionalism. They well, don't believe that all men are created equal, so it doesn't matter. Well, <laughs> they, it, they believe. But, but you know, I, I mean, they, yeah, they, they made a welcoming home for American Muslims at a time when Republicans were vitriolic toward Islam. They made <laughs> welcoming home, I think, is probably a little more charitable than I would than I would grant to them. What they did is they didn't vilify them um, at the time when Republicans were, which was dumb on our part. But again, I understandable. Uh, I I, I do. I do get it. But what the Democrats saw was, oh, my two million votes. Let's make that ours. And And so they put on an act like they do for for every other people of color in the United States. They put on a fucking act and they just said, why don't you come be with us? Because we stand for the Muslims. We stand for the gays. We stand for the blacks. We stand for the Asians. We stand for everybody. We stand for nothing. We stand for nothing except for electoral votes. That's all they stand for. Okay. I don't argue. Am I wrong? No, I don't argue with that, but they didn't vilify him. That's the point. They didn't vilify him. Right. And the problem we have right now is a very real problem. Only about a quarter of American Jews are Republican. Right. Okay. We are serious risk of losing that quarter because of this. Because, right. and I would give hats off to McConnell McCarthy for having the balls to condemn these people. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it, I mean, just be frank, right? It just needs to be universal within the GOP. Right. I mean, you have to remove any idea anybody in the future would ever have of saying these things or going to speak at these conferences or any of that. Right. Right. I mean, you really do. Right. And that was true for a long, long time. And right now it's not so true. And that is a huge problem. That That, is a huge problem. That ambivalence because other people, right. I I saw, I don't know if you know who Shelby Foote is. He was a historian. Yeah. I have a a book by him. Yeah. 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 So Shelby Foote once said what Lincoln could do the source of Lincoln's genius was he was able to get outside of himself. Right. And he was able to view things from a, this third party view and, and understand the dynamics of what everybody was thinking and feeling. That takes an emotional maturity that is completely absent in electoral <laughs> politics today. Well, no, it absolutely <laughs> is. But to my point, I'm trying to make, right? Because right? this is really the point I'm trying to make. Again, I'm not calling Trump or even Marjorie Taylor Greene or J.D. Vance, anti-Semitic or racist. That's not not my point. Right. My point is they have entered into this ambivalence by by cavorting with these people, right, that makes it from the outside completely plausible that these people are racist and anti-Semites. I'm not saying they are, but they have entered into relationships and actions and words that makes that seem entirely plausible. Sure. And this is why, to the point we did two weeks ago, that that racism ex- episode, the first one. Yeah, that, that you can hurl these accusations of racism and, and they stick yeah. because because they make this plausible. Under Reagan, this was not plausible. Right. No. Under Lincoln, this was not going to be plausible. Well, right. Right. I mean, under Coolidge, this was not plausible because those people took specific stances going. If you're a racist, I mean, Reagan said, if you're a racist, you're in the wrong party. Yeah. Go, go join that other party. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, and, yeah, and, I, and I totally get that. Yeah. I totally get that. Yeah. So back to this Wikipedia article, there was an interesting section on this 
I hate to quote Wikipedia. I'm really sorry about that. But sometimes these are well written. There's a section in this called Varieties of American Nationalism. They talk about uh, four different groups okay. of American nationalists and, and, right. and differences in their beliefs. There's the disengaged who basically believe that the government is completely uh, ineffective and and shouldn't be obeyed, you know, that kind of thing. I'm, I'm guessing that's where like the sovereign citizen type people end up in. There's the creedal or civic nationalists. There's ardent nationalists and restrictive nationalists. So the largest group in those is the restrictive nationalists, which means that they define nationalism as all the things we don't want to define nationalism as. Um, what your religion is, what your skin color is, where you're from, where you were born, um, you know, all, all of that shit. And, and, and if you look around the world for like at least last 120 years, right? That, that's right. always where nationalism is gone. And, and this, again... Not to belabor, that's the Marjorie Taylor Greene, J.D. Vance, Paul Gosar right. problem. Right. 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 That is specifically the problem because that's specifically what nationalism looks like. And and that's that's the problem. And, and I guess what I want to try to get back to, because I'm I'm reading through this article and doing research for this for this episode, and I'm like, people actually believe this shit? I'm thinking to myself, people actually believe that to be a true American, you have to speak English and you have to be born in this country and all this stuff. I'm like, damn it. I thought that was like restricted to the 19, you know, 60s pre-civil rights act or, or something like, you know, I mean, it really did. That's how naive I am. Well, okay. You know, <laughs> but, people can argue if these things are true. Of any of these people or not. Okay. But what's in wait, wait, what do you What do you mean by that? That was unclear. Uh, that people can argue. So what? let's say Trump, Green, Vance, et cetera. Right. Uh-huh. Okay. That they are, believe that this they believe about, this. about okay. true Americans. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Okay. But that a great many people do believe it's true is not really arguable if it's true or not. I'm not saying it's true or not. Right. Right. That's, no. I, I mean, mean, immigration under Trump flatlined. Legal immigration, flatlined. People did not want to come to the United States. Okay. Right? I mean, this is a problem, right? Okay. We want people to come to the United States. Not the way that they were coming. Well, no, no, no. Legal immigration, flatlined. Right? Not Every illegal, single, legal. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push back on that. I don't have the statistics, but I mean, the, the immigration system is so broken. Every single quota out there is maxed with years waiting lists. So how can it have flatlined? Uh, because they didn't get in. Okay. Right. Immigration went down under Trump. Legal immigration. But and I'm talking the COVID year. I'm talking the first three years. Okay. Right? I'm gonna have to look into look that to up. see what the reasons were. Anyway, go ahead. No, I mean this is this is the one saying, right? That maybe these things are true, maybe they're not. I'm not taking a point on if these people necessarily believe this stuff or not. Right. Just the perception. And right. not just the United States, but around the globe that these people believe this stuff. Okay. So, okay. I mean, this this was a study that was done in 2016. So, this is pre-Trump era. Right. An American Sociological uh, Review. And I, I think it's, it's probably a given that two sociologists creating a, a research paper are probably on the left side of the spectrum. So, I mean, we can... We can argue, and I, I haven't looked at the methodology of the paper or, right. you know, passed any passed anything on there. But I, I, I don't doubt that there are people who believe like that. Okay, there are Nick Fuentes people in this world. Right. Whether or not we can associate, you know, certain particular politicians with that worldview, I don't know. And because I've never sat down and had a had a discussion with any of them. 
well, from from anywhere other than Colorado. Right. Um, I know that the ones that are coming from Colorado are not, you know, they don't believe that to be a true American, you have to speak English and you have to have been born here. And they don't believe that. No, they, don't, I, they don't believe I, the, the ones that I do know no, absolutely 100 percent don't believe that. And so not all, but several of those people I have talked to and I know. Right. And no, I, I concur entirely. Absolutely. Yeah. So what I what I when I was thinking when I when I said let's do this episode. Yeah. And and I was I was excited to do this episode because I knew that you were gonna bring up a whole bunch of stuff that I didn't agree with. <laughs> and those are always exciting. But I I identified nationalism as what what this paper this this research study is terming as the civic nationalism. That's what I believe. People who believe in the American ideals, they believe in the the ideals of our founding fathers, the reasons why this nation was was founded, all men are created equal. Those are the people that I thought that's that was the definition of naf- nationalism. When I say I'm a nationalist, that's what I mean. Right. And I assume that I would, everybody else meant the same well, thing. But, but you know what? I would bet you you would be probably 90% correct. That, that 90% of the people think that's what it means. Okay. And what I'm trying to – the point I'm trying to bring out here. Right. Right? Is that's not necessarily what these people, these Republican elected officials who are proponents of nationalism – that's not necessarily what they mean. They may mean that, but they are not making intelligent distinctions between their meaning of it and what somebody like Nick Fuentes is meaning by it. Well, maybe I, I think that's again, I'm being charitable. <laughs> very charitable. Because even if you make that distinction, if you have spoken at Nick Fuentes' conference, people are likely not to believe you anyway. People are likely not to care what you say at, at that point in time. Yeah, no, yeah. Period. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you go speak Period. at a white supremacy anti-Semitism conference where they actively say Vladimir Putin is brilliant and graduate him for invading Ukraine because they view Zelensky as a Jew. Yeah. Right? Okay. This, you go speak at those things. Yeah, you, nobody should listen to you unless you come back and say, I mean, some truly heartfelt apology. Of, you right. know, I was a total idiot or, you know, or I mean, and hats off, right? If somebody had the guts to go to that conference to go, Nick Fuentes is full of shit. <laughs> this whole thing is full of shit. Right. Walk away from it. Hats off if somebody had the guts to do that, but none of them have the guts to do that. So guts is, is sorely missing in our, again, oh. along with emotional maturity. Both of those well, things yeah, are sorely yeah, missing yeah, from exactly, American right? electoral but politics. Let's be clear. Those are. Marjorie Taylor Greene, they didn't do any of that. They just poo-pooed it like it wasn't a big deal. Right. Right. And it's like, no, this is a big deal. Right. Because through this lens, by magnifying this. Right. This is how other people view you and I, because we are Republicans. What I'm getting the feeling of, and, and here's where here's where we end up the the problem. Here's where we end up with the problem of America first. OK. Besides all the baggage that you talked about earlier. And and how often that slogan has been used in the past, which for evil. again, for right, evil. And again, I was completely unaware of the, the concept, the the sentiment of just the words America first to the normal everyday, not incredibly well read or, you know, well researched in history or knowing anything that happened basically before the year that they were born. You know, th- those people are going to hear America first and say, yeah, that's a concept I agree with. We should be first. Yeah. So again, right. Because it, it, after that, it, beca- it becomes semantics. Well, Doesn't you know, it? but here's, I mean, there's, there's so many practical problems to that because of the baggage. Okay. Or you're never so, going to see. So, go ahead. okay. You see CNN, NBC, et cetera. Sure. Donald Trump stands up, says America first. 
Okay. NBC is going to report that. Which was the catchphrase of the Ku Klux Klan and the American Nazis? Okay. What about okay. Make America Great Again, which, which, and, which, which issued the same sentiment not used by the Nazis? Yeah, I, I, I don't. Yeah, there's not the baggage there other than whatever baggage Trump has created, right? Well, he's created his own share he's of it. His own share. No, there's not that baggage. But here's, I mean, let's just be blunt with America first. Okay. You have two choices. Either it means to you what it meant to Woodrow Wilson the Ku Klux Klan, American Nazis, and Nick Fuentes. Or the people using it simply were too mentally dull and did not possess the intellectual acumen out of an English language that has literally a million words in it. Not to come up with two other words that were not synonymous with Nick Fuentes, Nazis, and the Ku Klux Klan. Like American exceptionalism. <laughs> Something, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, what, what Primacy of the U.S. Right? I, <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you either consciously know you're using this phrase that's been used this way, or you're just so dull you can't come up with something better than what the Nazis came up with. Right. I mean, seriously, I mean, I'm not being mean. I'm just trying to say this is the problem. No, I understand that. I understand that, which actually this kind of gets into another problem, which would which would be an amazing podcast for us to do. And that's how they take over the freaking language, (laughs) how the progressives use language as a weapon. And and this is exactly how they use it as a preemptive strike. And and they do that all the time. I know. But you know, know, this would be one of those instances. Okay, so in the irony here. Irony of ironies, and in my opinion, stupidity of stupidities. Uh-huh. Okay, why did you use Woodrow Wilson's catchphrase? It's a progressive phrase, <laughs> right? That's really it. I what? doubt they were <laughs> thumbing through the history books, going, "What did Woodrow? Oh, that would be a great campaign slogan for us." What he used, you know, I, know, I doubt that's how it, that's how it originated. It should have, because they got to find people smarter than great. me to do this. Great. <laughs> if you can't find Granted. people smarter than me, give up. I'm going to go back because um, in, the, in the process of researching for this, I didn't realize that um, Stephen Green had also helped write um, Trump's inauguration speech, not the inauguration speech, the acceptance speech yeah. at the RNC. Uh, Stephen Green and Steve Bannon both wrote it. Now, Steve Bannon, I expect this kind of bullshit out of sometimes, but Stephen Green, <laughs> I mean, seriously, um, Stephen Green is generally more eloquent than that. Yeah, I, I don't particularly like him because I think his eyes look like sneak eyes um, every time I see him on television. So I just don't watch him. <laughs> but and I don't have Fox anymore. So it kind of is, an, is a non-issue anyway. But but he's he's intelligent. Not to say that Steve Bannon is not intelligent, but I, I don't know that he uses it for good. Anyway, Steve Bannon has motivations I do not appreciate. <laughs> That's a very charitable way of saying it. <laughs> Anyway, but Stephen Green ought to know better. Um, I'm going to go back and reread the the nomination speech yeah. and see if America First was actually used in that. Because if it was, then we've got a whole nother can of worms that I don't know about, that, that I didn't know about. So now that I know the history and the baggage along with that, we've gotten far afield from the actual subject of nationalism. Oh, I, I don't think we feel. have. I think we're drilling right into the heart of it. I don't, I don't know that we are because I, I really... What what I and I don't want to get into it today. We're going to have to do a different different episode on nationalism part two. We can do that because oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I have about twelve more pages of notes. I'm sure here. you do, <laughs> folks. If one of these days we should just post your notes as show notes just to see, so people understand what I'm dealing with here. <laughs> so 
I, far-reaching I, I, and I, 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 it makes complete sense to you and i appreciate that it does it makes no sense to me whatsoever so let's be frank though right i mean i probably put more effort into researching this particular episode than any of our other podcasts seriously i probably have 60 hours into this oh my god and yeah and i people usually think i am the most optimistic person in the room and this is just absolutely depressing top to bottom front to back i i mean it really is Right. Well, it, it is. It is. I mean, I seriously debated leaving the GOP this week because of this. And there's nothing here I didn't already know. It's just concentrating this and how vile it is. It's gutter politics. Holy shit, dude. I it's, didn't mean to do that. To it's you. sewage. <laughs> right. I mean, a lot of sure, this is just, just sheer it's not, sewage. It's, but, it's sewage, but it's not pervasive. And that's the thing. I don't think it's pervasive. Well, I'll tell you what. You and I are going to probably disagree on that, <laughs> right? Because I think it's a lot more pervasive than people want to admit. I think there's a lot here. I have many more, many more pages of notes of specific examples and specific things done and not done. But well, it really is. I mean, I'm just utterly depressed after doing this. I'm this is sorry. just this is just like, how the hell do people buy into this crap? I mean, I, that's that's my view of it right now. It's like I know we're close to finished. Right. So let me just give you this quote, because this is okay. this quote just fits. Will Rogers, you can take a sob story and a stick, of, a stick of candy and lead America right off into the Dead Sea. Oh, that's no that's there's no doubt about that. There's no, no I, doubt I, I, about I, I, We're emotional creatures that, that refuse to use our brains. At, at and that is just so times. much of what this is with right. these people. Right. It's a sob story that you're a victim. And here's a stick of candy and well, follow me. And it's like, stop and think and apply some principle, some ethics, some idea, right? Hold people the same objective standard, right? I mean, that's really all things that, that have just been abandoned in order to embrace any of this. True. When it comes to the white nationalism piece, the anti-Semitism piece, and absolutely, I 100% believe that yeah. that's true. Also, you just completely, succinctly described the entire leftist playbook. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, that's, no, no, there's no, that. And, yeah. and, 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 and so my view, this is just nihilism progressivism. Right. That's all this is. Right, right. It's and just the same thing. So there's that. What I'd like to do to finish up the episode, because we're a little over an hour right now, and do it fairly quick. Is there any way in your mind for us to a reclaim the republican party and b reclaim the nat the nation yes so that nationalism in the truest sense in the civic sense that i was talking right. about earlier right makes sense that that national pride is something that is warranted you know what i love how you say that National pride is something that is warranted. Right. Right. And what is that national pride going to be pride? It's going to be pride in truth, virtue, equality. Right. That's what national pride should be premised in. Right. Right. Those things. Yeah. And it's returning to those values. Right. Just, decent people. Easy have to, to say. You know, but, yeah. but, but you know what? Decent people have to stand up and go, this is what we value. We right. don't value this. Right. We value truth, virtue, equality. Right. Right. That's really I mean, it's like, uh, yeah, for the bazillion time, I'll go back to Solzhenitsyn, right? One word of truth outweighs the world. That's it. It, it. doesn't, though. It does. It, it, it does if it gets the publicity that's necessary it and it gets the required. clicks and it gets, it gets into people's brains. But just a truth spoken into the wind doesn't get us freaking anywhere. No. How one do person, we change it? One person telling another person the truth, that person tells somebody, 
this is how you do it. Right. Right. You can't go, hey, we have to take over the government. We have to take over the media. We have to take over academia. No, you can't do those things without the foundation of truth. Right. Right. You can't do those things if you don't have that critical mass of people who would demand the truth regardless. Democrat, Republican. Right. They're not going to play games. They're not going to hold the different standards. It's going to go, just give us the truth. Right. Right. That's how you fix this. That's how you fix the country. And that's how you make that national pride warranted. Yes. Okay. Well, we're speaking truth. We're doing everything that we can to make that happen. I push back a lot because <laughs> I'm coming at this from an understanding basically of a layperson. And, no, I understand. And I didn't put 60 hours. I appreciate all the hours that you put into this. And I'm sorry that it made you almost leave the GOP. I'm glad that you didn't. <laughs> well, there's a lot of people wish I did. <laughs> the, the Ditto. People defend this. Wish I did. <laughs> Ditto. Ditto. So... Yeah, we're going to leave it at that. And we'll come back and address this again in the future. I'm sure we will. Probably more than once. Yes. <laughs> yes. It is a many is a many faceted problem. It is a many faceted are, thing. With these people, there are policies attached to this. So we need to discuss the policies. There are. There so, are. And, yeah. and there are there are many problems. But just just speaking truth and and basically creating some clarity, I guess, around this aspect, which is one of those things that most people would rather just sweep under the rug and not talk about. Well, Um, we're we're not afraid to touch the third rail on here. Absolutely not. We're very, very good at that. (laughs) Very good at that. All right. So if you've enjoyed this little morsel of, well, 66 minutes of uh, truth, uh, I hope that you have. And I hope that means that you will subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast. Please tell your friends about it. If you feel like somebody in your circle would benefit from listening to Keith and I argue over words, uh, (laughs) which is the entire podcast but um then please pass it along to them and uh and tune in next time thanks so much 